Well, hello and welcome. My name is Lauren and I serve as one of your pastors here. I'm so thankful to be here with each and every one of you. I am thankful that you have chosen to be here in the well with us and to the well cafe upstairs. Hey, I miss you guys. Uh, And just let's take a moment. Um, I don't know how it is in the cafe, but this is a huge crowd down here. And it is the end of spring break. Uh, So can we just applaud every person? That has made it in this room, that is upstairs in the cafe. Uh, You are not a part of the Lazy Vacation Bums. Congratulations. (laughs) Racking up some Jesus points today. Uh, Proud of each and every one of you. Uh, Today, I want to begin with this idea that faith is a journey without maps. It is not uh, being sure of exactly where we are going, but going anyways. And that is what I want to ask of each and every one of us in here today. Uh, To join me on a journey through a piece of scripture, recounting the life and ministry of Jesus. Now, as we process through this scripture, uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, She had read some of it. Uh, One of my favorite things about being these like Jesus follower, church going people is that you read scripture over and over and over again. And we just become, it's just normal to us. And we don't often realize how weird sounding some of it may be to people who have never come into church before. And I feel like that happens in this piece of scripture here. This is called the transfiguration. And today uh, we heard a beautiful reading of Luke 9, 33 through 36. But to gain a fuller picture of what is happening here, I want to take us back to Luke 9, 28 through 36, which can be found on page 1612 of the Blue Bibles in front of you or in the cafe there in the back on a cart. So this passage begins after Jesus had met with his disciples to predict his death. And then he instructs them that if you want to follow me, to be my follower, you must take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, please, please do not hear these words lightly. Jesus predicted his death. Then he told his followers, I am to die. And he knew it was coming. And if his disciples were going to follow him, if they were going to continue on this journey with him, they had to daily choose to take up their cross and follow. I often find myself feeling this verse to be very literal. That if we want to follow Jesus, we too must take up our cross and follow, no matter how uncomfortable the situation may be that Jesus is leading us to. We must carry and we must follow. Now this experience of the transfiguration that we're about to discuss involves some big names. There's Jesus, Elijah, Moses, God, some disciples. And they're on top of this mountain. And this mountain serves as a place to invigorate the disciples, to inspire the disciples for what is about to happen. It serves to inspire them, to carry them back down the mountain. Because it is a journey that they will soon have. And eight days after Jesus predicts his death, he takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain to pray. Now on this mountain... The disciples experience Jesus' face change, his clothes become dazzling white, and he is met with Elijah and Moses. This is the part that I'm talking about where we read this over and over again, but when we really hear it, what is happening here? It's okay if that is your thought. It's okay. But so these three men, Elijah, Moses, and Jesus, are standing together, and they're discussing the prediction that Jesus just made about his death. 
Now we hear Peter, one of the disciples, acknowledge that it is good for the disciples to be in this moment. And he wants to remain in this moment. This scripture reveals to us that Jesus is preparing for the trial that he will soon face. He receives affirmation that he is who he says he is from God. And there's fulfillment in Jerusalem for what he says he is coming to fulfill from Elijah and Moses. Now, it's helpful for us to ask the significance between Elijah and Moses. I mean, God, duh. We know the significance of him being there. He's God. Uh, but Elijah and Moses, why, why are these two there? Now, if, if you don't know a whole lot of background about these two men, if you don't know a whole lot, uh, just know that they're uber important, like biblical superheroes. It is a big deal that these three uh, are there. Many people at this time thought that uh, Elijah and Moses um, is, what the is what the Savior would resemble. And some even thought that Elijah or Moses would come back to be the Savior. Now here, uh, we are told that there are three very separate people in this situation. And three people who were never actually supposed to be in a situation together. And they found themselves on a mountaintop. And thus, a miraculous event transpired. The presence of Elijah and Moses with Jesus on the mountain serves not to tell just the disciples, but the readers and the hearers as well, that Jesus is like them, but also very different. The presence of God in the midst of all of this establishes Jesus' authority, that Jesus is the chosen one, the Savior, the true Messiah. And the fact that the disciples who witnessed this were weighed down with sleep, Scripture says, they were weighed down with sleep and then immediately awoken, speaks to this magnitude of what is happening in this moment. We see God's glory, God's big, beautiful glory presented in Jesus himself. And it's no wonder that Peter wanted to stay there. So we see and we're told and we hear this grand connection between Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And knowing a little bit of the background that these two are superheroes and Jesus is Jesus, uh, there's a lot of power that is revealed through this scripture in this moment on this mountaintop. And while on this mountaintop, which one we are unsure of, Peter, James, and John are there to experience it all. And then through the words of God, we hear this proclamation this is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Listen to him. This scripture reveals to us that Jesus is the new Moses, that he is the true Messiah, and he was and is Jesus in heaven and on earth. Jesus is not only teacher and healer and liberator and miracle worker and protector, but he is the chosen one, and God declares that in this moment for them. And the disciples experience that, and they feel the power, and they feel the glory. For they were weighed down with sleep, but became fully awakened. They saw Jesus' face change, and his clothes become dazzling white. And in that moment, they saw Jesus for who he truly was. And now we're on this journey where you've heard that faith is like a journey without maps. We've read um, and we've heard some scripture We've asked a few questions and clarified some details. But one question that I kept thinking about was, what is this story saying to us? What are we as hearers supposed to do when we read this, when we hear this, and then go out into the world? 
I feel as if right now where we're at, uh, you heard Peter say that he wants to stay there, but then in parentheses it said he has no clue what he was saying. I feel like that's kind of how we are. We're master. It's good for us to be here in this moment to learn from your word, to sing praises to your name. But we still don't know exactly where we're going on this journey. So I want to ask you for a minute to imagine something with me. If you like to close your eyes, you can do that. Uh, But imagine a place in your life where you feel most at peace. For a lot of us, uh, coming off of spring break, 2017, we only get one spring break a year. That doesn't seem right. But if any of you just ended your vacation or if you've ever been on vacation before, I want to invite you to recall your favorite vacation spot, whether that's the beach, whether that is snow skiing on the mountains. Think of your favorite place to retreat. Maybe it's a place where all your friends and your family get together. Maybe it's a place where none of your family is. It's a safe space. (laughs) My current favorite place uh, is a little lake in Palo Pinto. I just got back there yesterday, took a little Friday-Saturday retreat. And I tell you what, and I think we can all agree, there is no sadder feeling than leaving the lake or leaving vacation. It's this really dramatic exit when we leave. There's this huge gate, we have to pull it shut, and then you just get in the car, and it's like, all right, back to reality. Like, you feel me, there's this, this feeling when you come back where obviously there is joy in coming home and being reunited with friends and with family, and I know a lot of you, we love to work, we love to be busy, and coming back to that is so fun. But there is something about being completely away that just helps you learn how to breathe better. Maybe for you, your place of peace is when you wake up in the morning, when you know that it's colder outside of of your house, when you know that the floor is cold, when you know that the world is probably going to be a little stressful and crazy today. Everything in you is saying, snooze five more minutes. Snooze five more minutes. I heard a yes. Yes, five more minutes. You want to stay in your puffy goodness of your comforter as long as you can. And our beds are a wonderful place to get rest, and rest is vital for our lives. But no matter how cold the room is, how cold our floor is, we have to get up. We have to get out of bed, and we have to do life. If we stay too long, it becomes a hindrance to who we are. And when it comes to our faith, it is the same. It is vital for us to find places of rest and rejuvenation. Places where we are simply in the presence of the glory of God. That could be worship or prayer or a time of devotion for you. But eventually, our faith has to grow legs. It has to get up. And it has to embark on the journey that Christ is calling us to. Now, that isn't always easy, and sometimes it can be heartbreaking. And sometimes it calls us to sacrifice a lot more than we feel willing. It can call us to engage in our community in ways that we aren't immediately comfortable with. But when we come to these mountaintops, these moments of inspiration in our lives, we eventually must walk down the mountain. We're on this journey without maps And this faith journey promises us a better life, not an easier life, but a better life. 
And just as it is good for us to experience these peaceful moments, these moments of rest, these moments of fullness, it was good for Peter, James, and John to experience this moment of transfiguration. It was good for them to experience the glory, to see Jesus as he truly was. For them to be fully awakened to the moment in front of them, to see the face of Jesus change, to see him as the true Messiah. Peter then says after they see this, let's build a shelter here. Let's build three. We can stay here forever. Let's stay right here in this goodness. Down there is crazy. Let's stay here. We'll build our world up here. Let us remain here where we can see Jesus as he is, where we can hear the voice of God, where the world does not cause us discomfort or trouble. Let's stay here. And then it is followed with, he did not know what he was saying. In other words, it is good for them to be there, but you can not stay here. It is good for us to rest, but eventually we must wake up. It is good for us to worship, but we cannot keep our worship inside these walls. We must leave these doors and take that into the world. And it was good for these disciples to experience this moment because of what was to happen on their journey down the mountain to Jerusalem. It is good for them to experience this. But the second that they take that step, they are acknowledging that they are walking towards the cross and towards the crucifixion. Not alone, though. The disciples needed this sanctuary. And they needed that so that when they knew that this hour came, they were walking with their Savior. And we need these moments in our lives too. We need these moments of peace and comfort so that when God calls us into the valleys, when God calls us to walk down these mountains, our wells are full, that we can be fully awakened to what is going on around us. We hear this voice say, this is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. And we must do just that. We must listen. As I mentioned, uh, at the beginning of our time together, the scripture began with now about eight days after these sayings, the saying that Jesus predicted his death. And to be a follower, you must take up your cross daily and follow him. This is what God is talking about. Listen to him. Listen to him when he tells you to take up your cross daily and follow him. And the disciples did just that. They listened. They ascended the mountain to pray. And then they walked down the mountain. Verse 37 says, the next day they had come down from the mountain. They picked up their cross and they followed him. And we are called to do the same. We must follow him into times of prayer, into times of transformation, into times of comfort. But we must also take up our cross and follow him to those places we may not always want to go, but where he is calling us to go. We have to have the faith to go down the mountain, even when there is no map. We are called to be faithful in this unique revelation that we have had of Jesus Christ, of seeing his face and responding to it. Through all of this, through this time where Jesus knows that he is headed to the cross, where he is coming closer and closer and closer to death, he remains prayerful and bold as he moves down this mountain. Now one time, 
I heard this quote from a fellow pastor that you don't give one message on a Sunday, but you give as many messages as there are people uh, in the congregation. And I believe that to be very true, that we all approach worship, we all approach these messages, we all approach this time of prayer with different backgrounds. Just as Pastor Tina, uh, and I'm sure Pastor Johnny said upstairs, however you come here today, whatever you bring with you, we come into this moment with times of hurt, in times of celebration. And so today, I want to help guide you in your approach to what you take here as you leave. And I believe that there are two specific things we can look at. And the first one is, what is your mountaintop? And the second is, what is your call down the mountain? The truth is that we cannot have one without the other. To successfully journey through the valleys with Christ, we must have those mountaintop moments. We must find times of rest and peace and comfort. These moments fill our wells and they provide us a space of security. But the same is true with the valleys. That when we have these wonderful mountaintop moments, we must take them down the mountain and out into the world. Because otherwise we just remain on a flat plain. As a follower of Jesus, we are called to go down the mountain with him. So I want to ask you, where is God calling you and us to move in this world? How is God calling you to human, to function, to do your life? Is he calling you to move within your closest relationships? Is he calling you to move within a larger community? We cannot survive the valleys, and the walk down the mountain if we don't take time to refill our wells on the mountaintops. But the same is true the other way around, that when we refill our wells, we must go out, we must take our our cross, and we must follow him down the mountain. This is a journey without maps, but I believe that this is a journey that God calls us to, together, to step down the mountain. And as we journey through the rest of Lent and we head to Jerusalem together, we come to know Jesus more and more, more than we did yesterday, and hopefully the same will be true tomorrow. Through this series, we have learned that Jesus is our tour guide, that he is here to guide us all, and he is here to go with us. He is not here to only ascend the mountain with us, but to take us down the mountain and out into the world. And now the question is, will we join him? Will we join him in this walk down the mountain? Will we come alongside him and take up our cross and follow him? Will we surrender for what he is calling us to as opposed to what we want to do? I want to close uh, with this story. Uh, I'm really excited to tell this story, but it's going to be a one-and-done story. So I'm glad that you're all here today because it's a good story. Uh, I have this friend. His name is Jabez. Uh, This is a picture of him. If you weren't feeling joy before, just look up there. I believe this picture perfectly encapsulates the joyful life that he leads. And one day, we were, uh, we were having a conversation about his job, what he does. Uh, and he saves women and children uh, from really dangerous and life-threatening situations, uh, which often place him in really dangerous and life-threatening situations. Uh, and so my first response was, aren't you terrified? Like, doesn't that scare you to go into those moments uh, where there is so much danger? And he laughed and said, no. He said, there is no amount of money in the world that you can pay to experience the joy on that child's face. 
when they know that they are no longer in a place of danger. <gasps> like, okay, you could stop there. Like, that's a great story. I already, in my mind, when he told me this, I was like, you're an incredible, incredible man, an incredible example. I am thankful for my time with you. And so the next morning, I led a devotional about him, and I used the scripture, take up your cross and follow him, and how his life exemplified that in such a powerful way. And so I remember I led that the next morning, and then I got back together with him later that afternoon. And we were just talking, and I asked him uh, if this job was something that he always wanted to do, that he had planned his life to do this. And he said no, he actually had worked in the government before, uh, which gained him a lot of access and power to things like this. Uh, And he said that one day he was sitting in a meeting with people, and he said, everybody be quiet. I hear something. And he looks me in the eyes as he's driving, and he says, Lauren, I heard God say, Jabez, take up your cross and follow me. And I had not told him that I had led a devotional uh, with this scripture earlier that morning referring to him. Uh, So I did this little thing that I like to call snot crying. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever done it before. It's not cute, and it's just everywhere. Um, And you're like, (laughs) uh, and so luckily I had another friend with me to explain why the crazy girl next to him started crying. Uh, It was a mountaintop moment. It It was a moment that we hadn't predicted, but it happened. It was a moment where the Lord was speaking, and I knew that I needed to listen. A moment where I heard, Lauren, you think you've been carrying your cross. Just wait till what I have in store for you. It was a moment where I realized that I have to stop controlling everything in my life and listen to where God is calling me to go and to what God is calling me to surrender to. It was a moment where I felt myself learning how to breathe better. And following that moment, we sat in a lot of awkward silence. We didn't know what to do. And now I fully understand verse 36. And now they kept silent in those days and told no one of the things they had seen. Something happens when you feel the glory of the Lord working. And oftentimes there are not words to put into it. It is just a moment of awe. It is a moment where we need to simply listen, to keep walking down the mountain, and to keep seeking mountaintops to fill our wells with. It would have been so easy for me to stay in that moment and to share this beautiful story over and over again. But I know that the words of Jesus, take up your cross and follow me, and the witness that Jabez gave to my life calls me to do just that. To not stay on the mountain, but to take up my cross and follow. To leave the mountaintop experience and give legs to my faith and to follow him down the mountain. To do something. We are called to listen, and then we are called to do. My journey does not look exactly like this man Jabez, but it is led by the same Savior, and yours is too. We are called to walk, and not walk alone, but walk with Jesus, together, without maps. All of our valleys and mountains look different, and for you, Walking down the mountain might mean praying with a friend or a spouse for the first time. 
Your valley may be stepping out into this world that is so hurting and so broken and doing something bold that you know God is calling you to do. Maybe God is calling you up the mountain to rest and to breathe and to listen. Maybe taking up our cross looks like allowing God into our stubborn and selfish lives and allowing him to move. Maybe we find ourselves in a season where we just need to stop and we need to listen. I don't know about you, but I often find myself speaking at God more than I actually listen to what he is saying to me. I want to remind you that the scripture reveals that although we have found ourselves on a journey without maps, we are not walking alone. That we ascend the mountain with Jesus and then we walk down the mountain with Jesus. I want to encourage us today as we leave here to find those places, to find those mountaintop moments of rest, 